Welcome back to The Explainer, a podcast from First Capital. I'm Megan Bach, and today's podcast is going to be a bit of a different format than what we usually do. Earlier this month for International Women's Day, First Capital held an internal virtual panel discussion with four of our female colleagues. That panel included Amika Mays, VP of Investments, Caroline Ipp, Property Manager for GTA East, Kim Cavers, Director of Construction for Western Canada, and Andrea Stephen, a trustee on the FCR board. The discussion was moderated by JJ Shire, VP of Operations. We had over 200 of our staff join us for this live event, and we've taken some highlights from the discussion for this podcast episode. So with that, let's jump right in. I'm quite honored to be asked to uh, moderate uh, this panel today. Um, A very important subject, International Women's Day, which is definitely uh, near and dear uh, to my heart uh, in raising a seven-year-old daughter. So I think uh, we're going to have a great discussion today. We have uh, a number of great panelists. Before we start, I just wanted to capture um, the FCR story. And I think that FCR has done an excellent job with uh, gender equality. For example, we have representation uh, on our board. Uh, We have two females on the board. We have uh, almost 50% of our executive leadership team is female. Um, Our SLT, our senior leadership team, is very well represented when it comes to female. And I'll take it right down to uh, my department, uh, operations. Um, In preparing for today's discussion, I uh, ran some statistics, and 68% of our property managers are female. Uh, And this is predominantly back in the day was a very male-dominated discipline. Um, So that's not even to mention the fact that our five operating directors across the country are female. And most importantly, um, the leadership in the operations department is led by a female in Marianne McDougall. So I think that uh, FCR stands very well when it comes to uh, gender equality. Um, But as with anything, there's always uh, work to be done and uh, we can do better. Um, Just to put a bit of a timestamp on our discussion here, you know, we are just uh, coming out of a pandemic. And the pandemic, in a lot of ways, has uh, hit women the hardest um, with childcare and schooling. Um, mothers have been forced to be teachers and business leaders all at the same time. So this is a very timely discussion as well. As I said, there's still lots of work to do at FCR, um, in the general society when it comes to this topic. And today, as I said, we have a a, a bunch of fantastic women on our panel, and we're going to discuss their experiences in business and talk a little bit about their careers. So let's uh, let's get right into it. I'm going to start with um, Amika and Andrea. Uh, What are some of the barriers that you have come across in your professional career that you were able to overcome? Let's start with Amika. Great question, and I'm glad that we're we're starting off with this one. You know, I have to be honest, I. I, I, I struggle a little bit with how honestly I was going to answer uh, this question, um, but I figure it's our first panel and it's International Women's Day, and the only way that we're really going to be able to affect change is by being really, really open and honest um, about some of the ceilings. And so I thought I would share a little bit of a story that happened to me. I'll go through it quickly, but what really shows that there is what I would call this artificial ceiling for women and what makes it really hard for you to, to advance 
And, and a lot of it has to do with, with especially women who, who have children and decide to have children. There's this stereotype that you can't do both. It's either you, you can have a career or you can be a really good mom, but to do list both, it's having children kind of makes you less, less hungry or, or less driven. And I, I don't know how many times I've had the conversation uh, outside and inside, but you know, a real life example for me was when I had my, when I had my second kid, um, when I was on mat leave, I was very newly promoted to the role. Um, and so I was still kind of getting my things in place, but actually had to go on mat leave early. Um, and then w- when I came back from maternity leave, we had, we had decided uh, to hire a, uh, a temporary consultant who would kind of make sure that things move forward while I was, while I was away. And when I got back, um, it was almost like I was reporting to them. They had uh, reorganized the department. They had, you know, they weren't inviting me to meetings. And it was very much a feeling when I got back that I was working for them and that I would no longer be running the department. It was never said or stated, but it was very much. And I kind of remember coming back from my first week at the job. And I remember having the conversation with my husband saying, you know what, you know, you're working hard, you're starting a new business, you know, maybe it's, I'll just take a step back. I'll focus more on home. You can focus. And, you know, fortunately I've got a husband and, you know, there's a reason why we've been together for 25 years. He kind of, uh, he kind of said, are you out of your mind? And he said, you've been working your, you know, what off for the last, you know, 15 years, this is your dream job, you know, get out there and fight. And, and that's what I did. And it was almost like, you know, I had to, but, but the point is, is that I had to come back like an absolute lion. And that was, you know, people were in the office at eight. I was there at six and people left at five o'clock in the afternoon. I was working until 10 and it was just absolute to prove for whatever reason that I could do both. And I really felt that that pressure and that need to show, you know, I'm not going to make one or more a priority. Um, it, I can do both. But there was definitely, um, you know, I don't think anybody has ever said to a guy when they've come back from their second or third kid and said, you know, um, do, do, you, do you think that uh, you still want to work as hard now that you've got children? I don't know any guy who's ever had that conversation, but I know I've, I've had it multiple, more times than I care to admit uh, over the last 20 years. Clearly, it, it had no effect. I mean, I'm still with First Capital, and I think it's an excellent company, but it, it, was, it was a real-life example to show um, the barriers that, that we do face that are kind of there, but not said. Andrea, you've held some pretty senior positions um, and you sit on boards. Uh, what, what barriers have you faced? Yeah, so Amika, thanks for actually for, for opening it up like that, because I, I have to say I debated about how honest I uh, wanted to be as well, because I will tell you, I've faced barriers like throughout my career. Obviously, I don't anymore. I feel very fortunate, but um, you know, like being excluded from, you know, invitations, being, you know, dismissed, uh, not being heard, lots of inappropriate comments. So it's, you know, I've faced many barriers, but I actually also want to share a story that was, you know, I would, I would say was the most uh, significant barrier I faced. I was working in a leadership team and it was not cohesive or collaborative. Uh, there were seven people on the team. I was the only woman. And it happened that there were two individuals that were out, outwardly hostile toward me. And nobody called them out. Nobody stood up for me. I was just expected to take it. And, you know, it was really miserable. Like, it, it was a really, and, you know, again, like, I mean, guys, I, you know, fortunately, I have a very supportive husband who I, 
you know, ranted to uh, on a daily basis. Um, and he, <laughs> and he, you know, he was like, you're a fighter, go fight. And I just, I decided that I loved my work. I loved my team. And, you know, these people were not going to um, deter me from doing what I loved. So I completely changed my mindset and focused on success and being successful. And so I worked very hard and focused, just focused on my team and my work and did not let any of the other stuff get uh, in the way. Um, and it ultimately paid off. And I will tell you what I learned from that experience that, you know, carried me through the rest of my career was how powerful resilience is, what an incredible tool it is. And, you know, thinking positively and being confident in your abilities is critical to your success. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I'm going to get a little bit more targeted and narrow here on the same topic, challenges and, and barriers. Kim, you are in construction, which is very male-dominated. Uh, I know that there has been some progress in the industry, but talk, talk to us a little bit about the challenges you faced and how, how it's progressed over uh, the last few years. Again, I, I struggle too with... Uh... How, how upfront do you want to be about this? Because I, my, my wish is that the construction industry is more advanced than it actually is. But that being said, it has come a long ways from when I started. One of the main things I think is now if you're, you're meeting someone for the first time and, and you get into that conversation about, oh, what do you do? What do you do? I don't get that really surprised, shocked look anymore when I say I'm in the construction industry. So uh, that's, that's one of the things that I've, I've really noticed. I, I still keep waiting for it and it, it doesn't happen like it used to. You know, um, it's, it's definitely becoming more acceptable for women to be in the industry. I would also point out that our FCR national construction team is 50% women. I mean, that's a huge stride, you know, so, and, you know, that's not... I don't think we're, we're looking for women to be on our team. We just hired the best people for the job, right? So I think that's a lot more of what you see. And, and going on to sites now, I see a lot more women trades. I see women leading uh, crews on sites, et cetera. So I, I think there's, there's progress, definitely. And uh, Caroline, uh, when it comes to dealing with vendors and tenants, um, Again, like especially on the vendor side with contractors, um, they, you know, back in the day, there used to be, they're used to dealing with a male. What are some of the, the challenges and barriers that you found uh, in your day-to-day in operations? For sure. Um, so I guess we could start talking about contractors and vendors. Um, and it is, I've been very fortunate to not have faced any sort of type of inequality or uh, discrimination. And I'm very fortunate in that, but I understand it is a very male dominated industry. And, um, you know, I think over the period of time that I've been in this, I've only um, heard of one female being in like in the contractor role. And, you know, and, and it's important to for, for females to understand that, you know, break the status quo, you know, you should try to get into more of these uh, operational uh, sorts of side of the industry. Um, in terms of tenants, um, I think women definitely will need to be a, a really strong people person. You're, de- you're you're facing with a lot of different personalities uh, and for tenants, and 
um, being composed and being very patient is very important. And, um, you know, tenants could be yelling at you like, oh, you know, ranting and all that, but you got to just listen out and be tenant centric for them. Uh, so basically kill them with kindness, right? And um, another um, another barrier that I've came across and listened to TED Talks or like podcasts and such is uh, personal safety um, that women may uh, face in the industry because we're going out to do inspections. And so, you know, that type of it depends on the area, you know, it could be. Uh, a little challenging for some women. And I guess that brings up the topic on knowing for women how to self-defend themselves, you know, building up that confidence in that situation and how to deal with that situation. Um, so uh, work-life balance is also, uh, as mentioned multiple times, like full-time moms, you know, having that barrier because we're on call 24 seven on the operations side. So anything that happens, you know, even just normal day-to-day -day basis, when it, there's a priority task that needs to be done, like you already just drop everything and do it. Can you imagine like having kids in the background constantly, you know, um, asking you, oh, you know, help me with uh, my Zoom call, you know, with the virtual schooling and all that. So it can definitely be a challenge for women, uh, definitely in the, op in the operation side. Thank you. Uh, thank you for sharing that. And I think you're right. Safety is uh, very important. Um, as I said, we 68% of our uh, property managers that are out in the field are are female. So that's a very important aspect for the company to be aware of and, you know, have uh, top of mind. Andrea, uh, you, as we've discussed, you sat on uh, multiple boards in the industry, um, which have probably been predominantly male dominated. Uh, what has your experience been? And do you have any advice for uh, other females and, you know, that want to get onto boards? I'll just start with my experience uh, specifically. Uh, I would say it's been outstanding. I have, um, I feel very fortunate to have been involved in all of the boards that I have been. Um, and in lots of situations, I have been the only woman, um, but there has never been, I'm obviously not on First Capital, the only woman, but on many boards I have been. And um, uh, yeah, I've never had any issues uh, at all. Like no, uh, you know, a lot of collaboration and cohesiveness. So it's been a, a very good experience. I would like to just sort of address the fact that there are a lack of women uh, on boards, but that's not unique to the real estate industry. It's really corporate Canada. Um, and, you know, I, uh, luckily there's been lots of um, evidence um, and studies to prove that diversity in organizations is critical. It improves, it improves returns um, at all levels of the organization, including the board. So fortunately there has been a shift in, over the last 10 years to focus on ensuring that there is more diversity on boards. And I think with continued focus, there'll be continued progress. It's, it's improved significantly, but it's still got a long ways to go. The second part of your question was with respect to um, getting on boards. I would say the most important thing is networking um, and contacts and building relationships. I mean, there are organizations that can help you with that. There's one called the Women's Executive Network. There's one called Women Get On Board, the Institute of Corporate Directors. All of those um, have mentoring programs and opportunities for you to introduce you to a broader network. So I think those are a good path to, uh, to take. Um, and then the other thing I would say is do your research, like identify companies that you like and that you're interested in and see who's on their board, who's in management, um, see if you know anybody that you could talk to about them. Um, and also see how diverse their senior leadership team is, because that will speak to the culture of the organization. First Capital is a perfect example, JJ, as you highlighted, 
throughout the organization, there's a huge diversity um, and a lot of uh, women in leadership roles. And for that reason, among many others, is one of the reasons I love uh, being associated with this company and on, on this board. This, this question, I'm going to uh, earmark for uh, Andrea and Amika. Um, what are the systematic barriers or stereotypes that still need greater awareness, in your opinion? And I'll start with uh, Amika. I think I, I touched on one on one earlier, but another one that that I that I wanted to bring up because I think it's important is, you know, as we've all said and we've seen, I mean, the fact that we're having this panel, I think women and women advancement has it's really taken leaps and bounds, especially from I started you know, 20 years ago. But one of the things that I would like to see change and do better is is women helping women, especially at the the higher levels. Um, I think you know VP CEO level. You know, there's still that quote unquote feeling of old boys club where, you know, boys get along with boys. They go, you know, it's, it's around golf or hockey or football, you know, it's drinking beer and eating chicken wings. And don't get me wrong. I love all of those things. Uh, <laughs> I'm a chalk at heart. But it, there is really kind of what I've found as I've moved up, really a lack of women helping women at the top. Um, and so one of the things I actually just started um, this year is I've contacted a group of women that, that either I've got a personal relationship with or that I admire and said, you know, let's get, a, let's get together. Uh, right now it's on a Zoom and just talk about, you know, what it means to be a woman in a, in a leadership position. Uh, so we've got a couple, you know, we have a CFO, a CEO. We've had one meeting, but the idea is how can we work together to make things different? And it's not that not like things are done wrong, but women have a certain touch and it's a certain different way of doing things. And I think the only way that we can change things is for us to get together, talk about it and, and put some things in place. And so that, that's one of the things that I, I, I wanted to bring up. I think that um, that's a very important point. Um, and with that being said, uh, Andrea will take you under her wing and uh, mentor you <laughs> onto uh, board. Um, but uh, Andrea, uh, same question to you. Systematic barriers or stereotypes that need greater awareness in your opinion? Yeah, so Amika, that's a great, I mean, I, I that was certainly one of the um, items I wanted to highlight because um, we do need to be champions for each other. And I there is no question about that. Um, you know, I, the, the other thing I would say, the only thing I mean, I, um, I mean, just, um, I touched on, on most of my points, but, um, one thing I would say is, uh, you know, flexibility around families, um, you know, because as it turns out, I mean, it, whether it's childcare or elder care for parents or grandparents, like women are still carrying the lion's share of that and in leadership roles. So it's very difficult. So it is in the best interest of the organization to allow flexibility. So um, that's incumbent upon all of us, not just, not just women. Um, And then, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, you you know, being treated equally Um, and uh, you know, it's still, it's it's still not happening all the time. And um, you know, we need, we need everybody to be aware, um, you know, to make sure that everyone's included. So sort of, be consciously inclusive. Uh, it's it's critical for the success of every organization. Um, all right, so that's kind of a, a good segue um, into uh, what uh, male colleagues can do. What do you think our male colleagues can do to help move the needle on this topic as a whole? So I'm going to start with Kim. I think um, 
just actually not letting situations happen where, um, you know, the, for lack of a better reference, but the old school walk onto a job site, bunch of guys are whistling, whatever, you know, for the other guys to say, Hey, not cool. Right. You know, take a stand, stuff like that. I think would help a lot in our industry for sure. Caroline. Um, yeah, that's a really good point, Kim, um, as well, pointing out um, you know, male leaders giving more credibility to your female teammates, recognizing their work. Um, and as Mika mentioned before, like sometimes it's unintentional, like sports conversations, you know, like sometimes it's females are interested in these things, too. So but it's sometimes, you know, including them in those conversations is good. Um, and male leaders who are recruiting or hiring, you know, maybe recruit more based on talent instead of the, the gender. So I think that's also very important. And listening out to everyone's opinions, like everyone's different, their perspectives and how they think everyone is different. So listening out to every single individual, you know, might be giving you a better perspective of something that you didn't think about. So um, that's my perspective on how that, our plan of action for our male colleagues for. Amika, um, before we move on, I'm gonna let you answer the question. I think I've touched on a number of things. I, you know, I talked about um, uh, education. I've, I think I've also talked, I, I would also mention uh, maybe one thing that hasn't been talked about is understanding flexibility and being open to flexible. And, and that being in the office, there's, there's still a tendency that if you're not in the office, you're not working. And I think if one thing uh, the pandemic has been able to, to highlight is, is, is that, that that's not, it may be true for some people, but I think for the vast majority of the people, just because you're not in the office doesn't mean that you're working and, and being open and understanding to having that flexibility. I think, um, you know, especially for women who is, uh, you know, do tend to be a little bit more of the caretaker and may need to have flexible hours. You actually get more people, more out of people by allowing them to work on their time rather than pigeonholing exactly when and how you're supposed to work. Having that flexibility, I think, and educating people that, you know, just because you're you're not necessarily in the office doesn't mean that you're not working. Okay, Andrea. For me, the you know, and, and again, with my experience, the biggest thing is calling out bad behavior. Don't let anybody you know get away with the eye roll or the you know dismissive hand gesture or the inappropriate comment. Whatever you, you got to call out bad behavior and ensure it, inclusivity. Um, with respect, so for leaders, with respect to making sure women are considered for all of the opportunities and, and, and not to penalize them because they've had kids. And I will, I agree with Amika. I mean, you know, there's it's been a lot not great about this pandemic, but I will say the one thing that it has um, proven to all of us is that um, everyone can work from home and can be very productive. And so, um, I mean, I, I've had a conversation with a number of people saying that I, you know, when I was working, I used to feel guilty working from home because it felt like I was cheating. You know, since you had to work from home uh, for the last year, uh, you know, you realize you can get a lot of work done and you can be productive. And so it's not cheating. <laughs> uh, in fact, it's, it's great. It, you know, it works, you know, it's, it uh, does, don't want it to be permanent, but it, uh, it works well. So. There you go. Thank you. Uh, I want to know um, whose work uh, do you admire in relation to women's rights and equality? And is there a, a trailblazer or a change maker that comes to mind? Before I hand it over to uh, Caroline, um, I think that it, it's worth pointing out. I'm going to use an example from our, my department in operations. Um, we do have a trailblazer among us in Marianne McDougall. 
I mean, you go back 10, 15 years um, in commercial real estate operations, and it was pretty much all men. I can picture probably Marianne sitting at a boardroom table um, being uh, either the only woman or one of two. Uh, and, you know, I can, I've worked for a lot of people in my career, and I can tell you without a doubt um, that Marianne is uh, the brightest and most engaged um, in the industry. So I, I really believe that she's a trailblazer um, in commercial real estate and then obviously in the operational discipline. So I uh, just wanted to add that uh, flavor. Um, Caroline, go ahead. Thank you, JJ. Um, yeah, another, I guess, I can start out with a trailblazer for myself is um, someone also from operations, and that's Karen Gore, my my boss, who is my director of GTA, GTA East. Um, you know, she saw potential in me, like as mentioned before, like I didn't think that I had enough experience for this role, but she gave me this opportunity. And same with you, JJ, you were there as, as well. And uh, you saw potential in me and I'm forever thankful for this op that opportunity. She's always there for me. She was always mentoring me when I needed help, how to critically teach me how to think. And, um, you know, she's had so much uh, experience in the industry that she gives me confidence in what I say. Um, so I really want to thank her for that. Um, as like change maker, like there's a long list as well for me. Ruth Bader was also on my list as well. Um, Michelle Obama, Melinda Gates. Um, but I guess someone from the real estate industry that I came across actually mid-year last year, um, I listened to a lot of podcasts. So one real estate one that I came across was um, called Property Moms. And it's basically um, from the CEO and founder of CityGates. She's more of like the London properties, but her name is Delapo Ani. And she talks about showcasing how you multi earn multiple streams of income through property investing and coaching people to do the same. And she expresses about BIPOC struggles in uh, CRE as well. So if anybody's interested, I highly recommend that podcast um, to listen to as well. There you go. And, you know, I just want to go back to a, a quick point about uh, Karen Gore and someone, I can't remember who, but just earlier in our discussion talked about women helping women. And there's a, there's a prime example um, you know, of uh, the support that's necessary to, to progress. So, so that's great. Uh, what or who has shaped your perception about what it means to be a professional woman? And I'll go right to Caroline, Caroline again. Someone has changed my perspective, perception of a professional woman. Um, definitely like my mom and my parents, like they've teached me so many ways into becoming the person that I am today, you know, experiences, their stories, everything that's in the past. So, you know, um, getting that knowledge and preparing me for who I am today was really important. I think also being a professional woman is knowing how to delegate and to work collaboratively with your team and recognizing mistakes and, um, you know, knowing how to deal with them. And most importantly, a balanced uh, work and social life. Um, I think that, um, you know, as, as it is everybody, like right now during the pandemic, you know, it feels like we're always at home working, you know, but it's important to recognize what certain types of hobbies that we have or things outside of work. So something that really stuck to me when I was young is, um, a quote, I think um, so a lot of you have also heard of it. It's like three different types of hobbies or goals that 
um, I think is a really good foundation. So something that keeps you financially, uh, something that keeps you creative, something that keeps you healthy. I think that's a really good, um, you know, base to keep a, a social work life for myself and especially for relationships as well, like having quality time with your family, significant other and friends. And, you know, I know that we can't see our friends and connect, stay connected, but having Zoom using the technology now, you know, doing a virtual workout. I had a couple of friends join me in a 30 day yoga challenge. So, you know, and celebrating that success together, right, and uh, choosing to challenge like the theme. So um, I think that is uh, what I think is a good perception of a, a well-balanced professional woman. Okay, thank you. Uh, Amika, how about you? Yeah, um, you know, it's funny. I, 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 was, I thought about this question a lot. And, you know, I say that I haven't really modeled my career or what it is to be a professional woman by anyone in particular what I've tried to do, and, and I think my team and anybody who's worked for me knows this, is from everybody that you work around, and we happen to work for such a great company with so many, with such a deep breath of, of really smart and, and admirable people that, you know, what I always try to say is kick little snippets throughout your career of people that you admire and try and model your career and yourself about that one and not say necessarily copy it. You're going to have your own twist on it. But whether it be negotiating techniques or how you handle a meeting, I think it's important to observe and watch, learn, and then kind of wind it into your career and how you want to be as a person and how you want to present yourself. And so there's never been one ideal person. What I've tried to always do is, is surround myself with people, with a lot of really smart people and to try and get into those meetings and, and, and be around people and then take in little snippets and then mold it to, to, to what I want and, and move forward. Okay, thank you. Kim, over to you. I was thinking right along the same line when, when I was thinking about this question that I've picked up and continue to pick up bits and pieces of uh, learning and, and emulating and uh, on the other side, picking up and learning things that I don't want myself to be, right? But just pieces from people that I'm in a situation and <laughs> sorry, I'm also a little direct sometimes, but, uh, but, you know, um, I, I see things that I admire. Right. And it's like, that, that was a really good way to handle that. I, I should learn how to do that. Right. So it's, it's melting pot, I guess. <laughs> I saw a lot of smiles on there. So you definitely hit a chord, Kim. There you go. Um, so we're, we're kind of getting down on the, the time here. So we're going to um, change gears and uh, I guess have a little fun. I'm going to ask uh, a final question uh, to the panelists. Um, it's advice related. Uh, so what is one piece of advice you would give to your younger self or someone interested in getting into commercial real estate? And I'm going to go right back to Kim. Put me on the spot first. Okay. Um, you know, I think I'm definitely in the construction department, but I like to learn. I've learned a lot from all the other departments, which ultimately just makes my job easier. And I would suggest someone coming into the industry, if you can try a few of the different departments, you know, see what's your best fit, what you love the most. There's there's so many avenues to explore. Good. That's my airline. <laughs> Um, for me, yeah, same with uh, Kim. I think that like a lot of people that I talk to that's in operations, like we've never studied property management. It's like, you know, it's more of the transferable skills that comes with it. Um, and then it's more of when I got into the industry, that's when I started studying 
more focusedly on my RPA designation, for example. So, you know, try to get as much experience as you can anywhere in transferable skills. Um, and for my younger self, I think it's like, don't always take things too personally. I always like to always <laughs> step in someone else's shoes and, you know, and at the end of the day, remembering what you can control and, um, and really go from there. So um, do as best as you can. Okay, good. Anika, your younger self, what advice are you giving? Uh, two, um, but they're, they're linked. And I, I think the best advice I could ever be to give anybody when you're starting out is, 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 is find a good mentor. That's not a parent or a family member, somebody that you can be brutally honest with, but will, who also be brutally honest with you um, and who can give you career advice. That was one of the, I was very, very fortunate in my career in that in, in various stages, every time I was able to make a jump, I was, I, I actually actively went and sought out a mentor to help me get through it. Like if it's a new job, a new position, um, you know, whether it's getting advice um, inside or outside the business, I've been really, really fortunate to have really good mentors to help me get through it um, in a really active and professional way. And so my biggest advice to you is go and find a mentor and it doesn't, and your mentor doesn't have to be the same throughout your career. It can change as you change, um, your needs will change. And so, you know, as you make big moves, I think good mentors. And, and the second is your network. Um, and when I first started out in the, in the business, I mean, that, that was one of my number one things was just to get to know people in the business and all the different facets because your, your network is your best friend. Uh, and that's how um, all of the big career moves that I've made um, have been through working my network. Um, and it's, and, and, and that is the key. Um, and so, and, and I wouldn't think about it just, you know, locally, think about it nationally, internationally. Um, you, you'd never know, especially with social media. Uh, there's so many different touch points. The world is just such a bigger place now um, that, you know, think about, think more organically, not just face-to-face, -face, but there's, there's all these different touch points. And I would say exploit those to the max because you just never know where an opportunity is going to present itself. Andrea, you've been on a, a number of boards. You've been extremely successful uh, in your career. Um, no pressure, uh, but what kind of advice uh, could you offer? Um, so I guess there are a couple things because um, I, I definitely, as a young, my younger self, need a lot more than one piece of advice. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Um, but, um, so the first thing I would say is trust your inner voice, like trust yourself, yeah. trust your abilities. Um, you know, I mean, that sort of, uh, I, I, that wavered a lot, uh, for me from time to time. And as women, you know, unfortunately we do, you know, it's, uh, we do often second guess ourselves. So, um, I would say, yeah, trust your voice and, and be confident in your abilities. Um, the other thing I would say is be picky about culture. Uh, when you're looking for opportunities, make culture a really important criteria for you and evaluate it um, because that will have a significant impact on your experience um, at your job. You spend a lot of time at work, so culture is super important. Um, so I think those are uh, two um, pieces of advice that I, I wish I had had uh, when, I, uh, when I was starting out. So. Well, there you go. Thank you very much. So that's really the, the end of the uh, question and answer uh, for the panel. So I really want to thank the, the panel for all your time um, and, and preparing and engaging uh, today. It was a fantastic discussion. 
We had a cross section of people from across the company, uh, from the board to investments, construction, and property management. So thank you very much. And um, the discussion definitely uh, gives me hope for the future. Um, as I said at the beginning, I have a seven-year-old daughter, and I hope that she can, you know, grow up in a, a, um, an environment that's, uh, you know, got gender equality um, with with no bias, and and that's kind of what I hope for um, for her future. So um, I want to thank the the staff for tuning in today. Um, this is just the start of the the conversation, uh, and we look forward to further conversation um, at work with our colleagues. Um, in the EDI Council and with our family and friends at home. Uh, the conversation uh, uh, continues um, at work, at home, um, and in your social life. So, thank you everyone for attending and uh, great discussion. We hope you enjoyed our Women's Day panel discussion. I'd like to thank JJ and the panelists for their open and candid sharing. These are important discussions, and we urge everyone to continue the dialogue with your friends colleagues, and at home. And thank you to the listeners. Tune in again next month for our next episode. Thank you and goodbye.